0: Good morning, it is, it's good to be here, good songs, talking about the love, the faithfulness of God. Um, he is a good God in the midst of all of our, in the all of our arrogance, our, our sinfulness, he continues to be faithful, he continues to care for us. And uh, this, this passage that we're going to be looking at today, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 9. And uh, we're going to start reading at verse 38. Um, it's, it's a challenging, challenging passage. You can, uh, there's a number of reasons you can recognize that it's challenging. One of the reasons is it, there are so many variants. If you are reading, are reading the, the notes at the bottom of your Bible... There's, there's all kinds of different variants that, uh, that people have, when they've been copying down the Bible and passing it on to others, they're trying to help other people understand, and so they're rewording it a little bit, adding little pieces here. Somebody wrote something in the margin, and that then got added into somebody else's version, that that got passed on to others. Uh, it's one of the ways that we can actually track back to figure out what is the original Greek that was given to us. All of these different variants are actually very helpful for us to be able to identify uh, what the original likely was. Um, But this passage has a lot of them. If, If there are those of you that can count most of your modern translations, as you're going through 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, and then 45... So there's no verse 44 in a lot of your modern translations. There's no verse 46 in some of the modern translations. Again, those were variants, things that were added. We're going to talk a little bit about that. All of that to say, this is a challenging passage. There, there's a lot of stuff that's going on here. Um, and I, I, Yeah, my study this week has actually changed the way that I've read this passage. Um, and, and, and I think God has a good word for us here today in our world. It all kind of starts off really with the passage that we were looking at last week. We were talking about the, um, the arrogance, the pride of the disciples Jesus was trying to help them to understand the challenges that were coming ahead for them through His suffering, through His imprisonment, not imprisonment, but His arrest, and through His eventual crucifixion. And He wanted them to know that. But He also wanted them to know that there was hope that He was going to rise again. But they had their ideas of how how Messiah was supposed to progress, what was going to be happening. And they just for some reason, even though Jesus' words were pretty clear, they just couldn't understand, and they were afraid to ask. And then Jesus, you remember, asked them, so what were you guys talking about on the way there? And again, they were silent because they had been talking about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So in their pride and arrogance, and, and, and Jesus challenges them by bringing the little child right into the middle of their meeting there, their gathering, and saying, whoever receives this little child or one like it receives me, and whoever receives me receives the Father. Jesus was trying to help them to, to get past that pride, that arrogance of, of trying to figure out what position they would be in, what, what was going to be their Piece of the pie in this kingdom that Jesus was creating, and trying to bring them back down to a, a, an authentic, a humble recognition of what was what the kingdom of God was all like. This passage really just kind of builds off of that and continues that whole theme, and and. I, Part of my struggle with all of this is, in some ways, some of these sayings, the things that, that Jesus is saying here, the things that Mark has gathered for Jesus, in some ways, they, they're difficult to, to, to grasp, and, and, and they seem somewhat disconnected. But what's really helped for me is recognize that this is all still fitting in with this whole understanding of, of pride and arrogance, a challenge for us to get past those things that get in the way of our relationship with God. and Instead, focus on listening to Him. You remember the voice of the Father right on the mountain of transfiguration. This is my Son. Listen to Him. We need to listen today to what the Spirit has to say to us. Let's start reading this in verse uh, 38 in chapter 9 of Mark. So John then said to him, Jesus, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me for the one who is not against us is actually for us for truly i say to you whoever gives a cup of water to drink because you belong whoever gives you sorry whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to christ will by, will by no means lose his reward will be salted with fire. And salt is good. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? So have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. As I said, this is a difficult group of sayings from Jesus. And and they are are quoted in a number of the other Gospels in different places and in different ways. And that's partly what contributes to some of the the, the challenge of all of this. But but we can take from that to understand that, that these were likely sayings that Jesus was using on a regular basis. When he would be in different situations, in different settings, he would talk about these things, about, uh, about the, 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 uh, the way that it was better to to enter life, um, leaving things behind rather than to enter into eternal judgment in hell. Talking about um, salt and 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 fire, and how salt will be proved out, and fire will be ref, will, will do the refining, and all of those things that happen so so these were sayings that that come from a different a number of different places, but they were sayings that that Mark gathered together here for a particular purpose um, and it all stems out of john's is it an accusation I don't know if that's the right word for it, but his his identifying of some people who were trying to in his mind take advantage of jesus' popularity and build up their own exper- or, or their own reputation within the community that they were actually casting out demons in the name of Jesus but without the proper sanction how do we recognize that as arrogance and pride mark adds a very specific little part uh, and 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 will say that that he is quoting John here accurately when he says, when John says, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Were people expected to be following John and the other disciples? That gives this this understanding that, that John was was." Expecting to build up his own little following that, that because of his connection with Christ, that there would be people who would be following after him and rather than actually following Christ. see there were people that, that, that didn't have the proper sanction as far as John was concerned, they were doing things differently than, than John had been taught by Jesus they were, uh, they were acting and speaking in ways that, that hadn't received the proper stamp of approval from Jesus because they weren't directly connected with Jesus, even though they were, they were doing this in the name of Jesus. And John John felt threatened. That here he had, he had put in all of this time with Jesus and, and these usurpers were coming in without any of that Cost and, and and building up their own reputation on their own. And, and, and he identifies that as they weren't following us rather than following you, Jesus. John was was trying to determine, he was trying to identify who was in the kingdom and who was out the kingdom. And and if you didn't look like John, if you hadn't gone through the same things that John had gone through, then you were out. In order for you to be part of the in in the kingdom of God, you needed to have gone through the same steps that John had gone through in the same way and doing the, the things that John had done. Jesus has a much bigger vision of the kingdom than that. Jesus recognizes that there are all kinds of different ways that people find their way into the kingdom of God. They don't all look the same. They don't all have the same kind of traditions. They don't have all the same kinds of ways that they relate to God. Some of them, some of them worship God in, in, in some unique ways. And others, others have, have different uh, 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 governance structure, leadership structure than, than some places. Some people emphasize different aspects of their relationship with God, of, of the way that God works through their life. But when they're all preaching in the name of Jesus, when they are all identifying that it is His power that is setting us free, that is making a difference in His life, that's what determines whether somebody is in or somebody's is out. John learned his lesson because if if we were to turn over to 1 John and and he talks about how to identify false teachers, says it's anybody who, who claims the name of Jesus, who recognizes that Jesus came from God and is a human, that became human as us and sacrificed himself to pay the penalty for our sin, that's the person who's telling the truth. That's a person that you can align yourself with. Even though all these other things might look different. I have the same tendency as John. I I can vividly remember growing up in a Baptist church and it wasn't just any Baptist church. It was a North American Baptist church, not a Southern Baptist church or a Baptist General Conference Baptist church or there's a lot of Baptist churches. <laughs> but we had it right. And growing up in Edmonton, as we looked around at all of the other churches that were there in that town, there we, I, I could identify, and nobody had ever told me this, but you could just tell by the way that people talked that that church wasn't a real Christian church. That they missed it. That tradition over there, they were close, but they had some funny things that we, we didn't associate with them. I do that in my own personal life. I look at different people and, and see the way that their walk with Christ is different from mine. And I make that judgment of saying, well, they must not really be a Christian then because they don't do things the same way that I do. Jesus' understanding of who is in the kingdom is far bigger than mine. And, and his words to John here need to challenge me as well. Of what is truly the essentials. You see, it is not our job, my job or your job, or anybody else's job here on earth, to make the determination of who is in and who is out. Your eternal destiny is not determined by me. I don't get to say whether you are saved or not. I do have the opportunity of being able to say there are some things in your life that I don't see lining up with Scripture. That there is some fruit that that doesn't seem to be Connected with with what we see being described about the character of Jesus Christ. But I don't get to judge whether you are in or whether you are out. That's God's job. He is the judge of eternal destiny, and there is nobody better because He knows your heart. He can see things that I would never be able to to look into. So Jesus is is telling John don't worry about people who might be doing things differently than you. If they're claiming the name of Christ they can't then turn around and, and, and speak ill of us. So they must be for us. And and he goes on to say, Truly I say to you, whoever gives a cup of water to drink, gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ, will by no means lose his reward. The kindness that others will show to you are blessed, and, and God recognizes that, and God is seeing that, and God is working in their lives. That's evidence of their of their being influenced being motivated by the spirit of god in their lives so we go on to verse 42 and this is where it starts getting a little bit confusing and and actually i I have to say as I as I was looking at this I I don't understand why the English standard version the the, the translation that I'm using I don't know why it just starts with whoever because in the original Greek there is um see if I might get my grammar words right a participle kai kai which is most often translated and is that the right word participle I don't know whatever it's called I don't know the words of God. Anyway. Uh, So so it's often translated, and it can also be translated as even, or also, or but. I think in this situation, but probably makes the most sense. Jesus saying, For truly I say to you, whoever gives a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. But... Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Again, there's something else that uh, the way that the translators and and most most translations actually do this as well, use the same phrase, uh, cause one of these little ones ...who believe in me to sin, cause them to sin. The Greek word that is used there is scandaletse, which we get scandalous from. And, and, and it, it, it is translated most often as stumbling block or, or uh, uh, causing somebody to fall away or to lose their faith. So it's not that causing them to sin is wrong because falling away is a sin... But it's not like causing them to tell a lie or to steal a piece of candy or something like that. This is causing them to question their faith, to question the reality of what they are believing in, and to turn their back on it. It's the the same word that that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians when he says that we preach Christ, which to the Jew is scandalese, a stumbling block and to the Gentiles, foolishness. Uh, so, so it's not so much that it is causing somebody to, to, to act out sinfully. It's causing somebody to stumble, to question their faith, to, uh, to fall away from their faith. And, and that's why I, I think that, that that fits so better to use that but at the beginning. Because here we're talking about these people who Jesus is saying, they're for us. But if you cause them to stumble, to fall away from their faith, by saying, oh, you don't fit in because you're different than me, because you haven't followed the same kind of procedure and and, and gone through the same kind of life as me, Uh, you you haven't followed Jesus in the same way that I do, so you are out. If by doing that I cause them to fall away, lose their faith. Even though they might have done kind acts, given me a cup of water or any of those other kinds of things. It would be better if I had a millstone hung around my neck and was tossed into the sea. Because I thought about that. And again, that's that's not the consequence. It's not that if you do that, then you have a millstone hung around your neck and get tossed in the sea. It's saying that you would be better off having a millstone hung around your neck and tossed in the sea, which means that that the real consequences are far more severe, far more serious. Can you imagine? (laughs) Can you imagine getting to heaven and discovering that something that you had said by a line that you had drawn, where you had told somebody that they don't actually belong because they don't believe the same way that you do, that they haven't come to Christ in the same way that you have. And to discover that that person, that that word that you shared with them caused them to fall away, to, to lose their faith, and turn their back on Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, a millstone hung around my neck and tossed in the sea would be far more pleasant than that. Our words have eternal consequences. Our, our, Our judgments influence people. Jesus is giving John a warning. You you can't do that. That's not your job to determine who is in and who is out. Leave that to God. Jesus then goes on to talk about this. If your hand causes you to sin, same word, Scandaletze. So it's not if your hand causes you to steal something. or If your hand causes you to stumble, to fall away, to lose your faith, cut it off. Cut it off because it would be far better for you to go through life without a hand than enter into eternal punishment in the fire that never goes out. now this is hard and 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 there are people that have taken these passages in a literal way and i am absolutely convinced that that was not jesus intent here for you to actually maim and 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 and, and, and amputate and and cut yourself that that did not that does not fit with, with the, the, the Hebrew understanding of God. In fact, it goes against uh, the, the, the law that God gave through Moses way back when that, that they should not maim themselves, that they should not be cutting themselves. It's far more, more uh, closer related to the acts of the pagan gods, like the, 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 the priests of Baal that, that Elijah met up there on Mount Carmel. When they had that that battle to see whose God was true and and the priests of Baal weren 't getting any response from their God, and so in order to get their god 's attention, they started cutting themselves so that maybe he would then pay attention that action of of cutting of maiming of of defiling our our, our own bodies that is a a, a pagan thing that is a, that that has all kinds of demonic influences in it that's not what jesus was calling us to do uh, the the hebrew understanding of of, of the body the connection the, the interconnectedness between our physical body our physical reality and the spiritual reality our mental capability uh, they were so closely entwined, even though they, they will identify body, soul, and spirit or 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 some combination of those. They're all closely intertwined. It, it, it's not like the, the, the Platonic idea of a separation that, that somehow the physical reality that we live in is somehow inferior to the spiritual or mental reality that, that, that we have. They, they are all connected, and so too... Uh, to, to think that, that somehow cutting off my, my hand is going to have some kind of spiritual impact on my life just doesn't fit with what we see here in Scripture. You see, it's not my hand's problem. The problem is my heart. It's pride, it's arrogance, it's sinfulness, it's self-centeredness. That's where the issue is. It's not that my hand causes me to fall away. And so Jesus wasn't actually saying, telling us that we should be cutting off parts of our body in order to stop ourselves from sinning. His whole intent was to say, it would be better if you had. But instead, don't sin. Don't fall away. Don't allow yourself to to become a stumbling block for somebody else. Don't allow your own self to, to be stumbling. It's interesting here, the, the things that Jesus, the parts of the body that Jesus identifies, it's the hand, the things that we do, the sinful ways that we, uh, that we act within this world. It's, it's the foot, the, the foot that leads us into, into temptation, into sin, that, 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 that we use then to, to go into places where we should not be going, where we would get farther and further away from God. The, the I, the things that we study, the things that we, that we, that, that we try and bring into, into our mind and into our body. Jesus is saying, don't let the things that you do, the places you go, the, the, the things that you study and try and understand to get you in a place where you fall away, where you stumble in your faith to God. It would be better for you to lose that part rather than going to an eternal judgment separated from God in hell. This is the only place in Mark that, 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 he, that Jesus uses that word, uh, the, the, the Greek word for hell, which is Gehenna. And actually, Gehenna is, is a, a Greek transliteration of the Hebrew phrase, Gehinnom. And Gehinnom is the Valley of Hinnom. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament, you, you might remember uh, the, 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 um, the evil pagan uh, practice of, of sacrificing children to the god Molech. And and at the time of Jeremiah, that was happening. One of the key places where that was happening was in the valley of Hinnom, which is just outside of Jerusalem. And they had set up this shrine to Molech, and unthinkable. They were taking their children there and sacrificing the God in order to have favor from that God in their lives. And, and it was condemned by Jeremiah. Uh, King Josiah, then when he came into, into power in Jerusalem, he, 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 he uh, uh, stopped that worship, that practice of, of child sacrifice to the god Moloch. He, he desecrated that valley so that nobody would ever be tempted to once again... Uh, uh, engage in those practices to somehow have some connection to the god moloch from that place so he made it a a a garbage dump a a place where they would where they would dump human excrement so that nobody would ever go there and and it was this they, they they would light the refuse on fire so that it would get burnt and 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 it never actually the fire never actually went out and so in the intertestamental period in that period between the old testament and the new testament that that Valley of of Hinnom, the 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 Gihinnom, became the picture of eternal punishment. That, that that's what they would refer to, and so uh, in the Greek they then picked up that Hebrew name Gehinnom and and transliterated it to, into Gehanna. and that's what hell is and so when Jesus is saying it would be better for you to be thrown into Gehenna they would immediately have this picture of this place that was full of garbage that was burning that was full of human excrement it was this place of judgment of uh, of, of 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 eternal separation from God and and he was saying it would be better for you than to end up in that place Now, uh, let me just quickly explain why there are some missing verses there in some of the modern translations. And, and in, in, in uh, the King James Version, it would say something, and I don't have it written down, but it says something like, um, it, it's really a, a, a just a repetition or, or a pre-repetition of verse 48, where it says, so in, in uh, verse 43, where it says, it would be better for you... Um, to enter life crippled, then with two hands, and go to Gehenna, to the unquenchable fire, where the worm, their worm, does not die, and and the fire never goes out. Is something like that? Right, and it's a quote from Isaiah 66, and that's what we read there in verse 48. There are just a number of copies where the scribe had taken that quote from verse from, uh, that, that was quoted by Jesus in verse 48, and just repeated it in verse 44, and then also in verse 46. Uh, that's why they're missing, there isn't anything significant or anything that's, uh, that's untoward that's, that's being pulled out there, it's just as they've looked at, at the number of copies and stuff, they the, most, the oldest and most reliable copies didn't have those. And, and it makes the most sense that somebody just, and as, as they were copying, they just uh, made, added that extra code into each one of those places. Um, but that's, uh, that all ends with this verse. So this is the verse that would have been repeated in verse 44 and 46 in verse 48 where it says, where a worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. I don't want to take a whole lot of time in talking about the the the, the doctrine of hell or anything like that today, because that's not really my focus. But but there is a hell. It's real. And even though it, it is a, a difficult thing for us to understand and a difficult thing for us to accept that God would condemn people to that kind of a place, and and, and there are those that have tried to, to reframe it in some way that makes it a little bit more palatable to us in our Western world and, and everything else, the reality is Jesus is teaching here that it's a punishment that never ends. That's hard. We can talk about that some other time. You can come talk with me about that after the service and stuff, but... But if we try and soften hell to say that, no, no, actually, what happens is people are those that, uh, there's a number of ways people try and explain this. So they will say that, no, no, you just die and you don't, you cease to exist. It doesn't fit. Uh, there are others that, that will have some other kinds of place, things where, well, it's only for a time and then there's an opportunity for you to repent and you can come out. It, it's not here in Scripture. Um. yeah i I don't want to get into all that but but i would I would love to have that conversation if that's something that's really concerning to you, and we can talk more about that yeah yeah there's and this isn't the only place um, you know uh, matthew twenty five where Jesus talks about the separating the sheep and the goats and 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 he condemns the goats, those that did not show love to the least of these go unto the, the fire prepared for Satan and his, and his uh, followers. And it says there, eternal punishment. It, it gives actually the word everlasting punishment. There is no end to that. I don't want to get into that. Um, but there it is. Verse 49, for everyone will be salted with fire. And, and here's another place where there's a whole bunch of different variants and people trying to understand and explain what, what is going on here. What makes the most sense to me is, is in this context of John saying, here are these people that are different than us. I think that they're out. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. They, they, they are in because they are claiming, they're using the name of Jesus. He's saying everyone's faith is going to be proved. Everyone will be salted with fire. The the genuineness, the authenticity of their faith will be tested in the end times in judgment. So you don't have to worry about that. I I think that's why he's included. That's why Jesus has said this. Everyone is going to be salted with fire. Everybody's faith is going to be proved either false or true. So don't worry about that. Don't, don't worry about trying to determine who's in, who's out. Instead, salt is good. But if salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourself. Salt is a preserving agent, right? Salt is, is what, what helps meat and, and foods to be able to last for a long, long time. He's calling us to have that preservation, that true faith within ourselves. Don't worry about other people. Make sure that you have that salt, that preserving uh, touch of God in your life. And then be at peace with one another. Uh, That phrase about salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? There are all kinds of different ideas of, of what Jesus is saying and, and, and commentators that have worked through that. The, the one that, that I think makes the most sense to me is he's saying that this is an impossible thing. If, if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If you change the, the, the chemical composition of salt, of, of sodium chloride, it ceases to be salt. You can't make it salt. In fact, it probably was never salt in the first place. And I think that's the point, is that that everyone will be salted with fire. Everybody's faith will be tested. And if somebody has lost their salt, their saltiness, they were never really salt in the first place. They may have tasted salty. They may have had some of the same kind of attributes as salt because there are other things that, that kind of have that salty flavor, but that's because they have salt in them. And if the salt is taken out, they aren't actually salt. So Jesus is saying, focus on yourselves. Don't worry about who else is in or out. Make sure that you are in. Make sure that your heart is right. Make sure that you have faith that is secure, that will stand the test, the fiery salting, the proving and the, 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 the uh, authentic, authenticating and refining of your own faith. So make sure that your faith is genuine. It is, it's easy to fall into that temptation of setting up different tests to determine who is in and who is out. Jesus' message for us today is that's not your job. It will be proved out in the end. Instead, live at peace with one another, encourage one another. Build one another up. If there are things that, that people are doing that don't match up with what Scripture says, encourage them, challenge them, rebuke them, correct them. All of those things are part of Scripture that, that encourage us to do that. But don't make that then the determiner of whether they are in or out. That's not our job. Let's leave that to the Father. Instead, let us build up. Let's encourage one another in love and be at peace. Let's pray. I want want to give you some time here. Because I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you've engaged in some of those creating of tests of who is in and who is out, of people that you have written off as not Christians because they're different than you. I want to give you an opportunity to the Holy Spirit to, to put his finger on that in your life and give you the chance to repent. And ask the Father, through the Holy Spirit, to show you how you can make that right. So that you can't be accused of scandalize, of creating a stumble block for somebody else. Let me know that you do some work with the Lord right now. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for those times when we've allowed our pride and arrogance to create a stumbling block for somebody else. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Send somebody into that person's life that would show them your grace, your truth, your love, your forgiveness. Help us to recognize ways that we can reach out to those people that we have become a, a, a stumbling block for, that we've been the cause for them to fall away and to extend your hand of grace and acceptance. Lord, we pray for our own hearts that that our faith would be founded on you. That we would have that true preserving faith within us that would hold us fast to you. Let this be a place where those who who have been hurt, who have been scandalized by other churches, by other Christians, that this would be a place where they would find family, that they would find your love. And this would be a place where they can walk more closely with you. I claim that promise that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for your cleansing touch. Help us to be able to go from this place walking in your strength and in your truth. We pray this in the powerful, unmatched name of Jesus Christ. Amen.